Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to another episode of the... Wait, do you have any announcement before I punch the camera? Go ahead, Joe. Internationally known dudes at ringside. Hey, Vinny. Internationally known dudes at ringside podcast. I am your host, Joe the Panther, the third. And now from the top of Metal Mountain, in the middle of the mosh pit, it's the Happy Heel himself. Metal Geek. What's going on, Rickside Crew? What's going on, International? What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Joe? How's it going today? I'm good. I'm good. I am fully refreshed and all ready to go. You already know, because Monday, we're all, I'm back. Energy is back. All ready to fun and fantastico. Um, Geek, you ready to introduce the guest, or you want me to... Yeah, go it? ahead, Joe. Just introduce the guest. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> this man is just like your boy, DePanfra, because he's... Let's give a well, we're gonna introduce somebody from New Jersey from ISBW. Let's give a war, dudes at ringside. Welcome to Sean Donovan, Mr. Old School. What's good evening? On? How are you guys? Good, 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 good. Thank you so again, Sean. It's an honor and pleasure. Thank you so much for taking our invite to come on the podcast for the last few episodes. Well, thank you. The pleasure is all yours. Yes, yes. <laughs> Geeky, you want to start it off? Yeah, so how did you get you start in the wrestling business, Sean? Sure. So I was a uh, – I obviously grew up a lifelong fan of uh, professional wrestling growing up through the uh, the early 80s all the way in through the 90s. Uh, and it was actually perchance through a family member of mine. Well, he became a family member. He actually ended up becoming my brother-in-law. Uh, but for many years, uh, you know, he – the uh, woman in question dated my sister and uh, he and I shared a very mutual love for pro wrestling. And he's the one that kind of introduced me to at the time, independent wrestling, um, which, you know, was, was very big in the uh, East coast area throughout the mid nineties into the early two thousands. Uh, but through going to those shows, I had met a local promoter by the name of uh, Michael Illidians, who was known uh, around the East coast circles as AJ Sparks uh, who had ended up co-owning a school with a local journeyman uh, by the name of Kevin Knight. Uh, and that's how I ended up getting my start. I uh, was going to a lot of independent shows and saw that there was a, uh, they were doing a fantasy camp uh, where it was a one day camp where no, you know, individuals who had no prior wrestling experience could join this. And the winner of the, uh, the winner or the person that kind of came in first through everything would be uh, given free training. And uh, at the time I was going to college and working a couple of jobs and couldn't afford what the full tuition was. So I tried out at the camp. Uh, I came in second and uh, while they pulled me aside and said, we couldn't give you free training, they offered me half and uh, I cut a check that day. And uh, that was in uh, early 2001 and 
here we are in 2023. Yeah. There we go. There we go, Joe. Right. So all those times ago, who trained you, Sean? So I, I learned all of my basics and was trained by uh, by Kevin Knight, who's a local journeyman in New Jersey. Uh, he had a very great foundation for the basics. I also learned a lot of basics and psychology also from uh, another independent um, gentleman by the name of Biggie Biggs. Uh, learned a lot of behind-the-scenes psychology uh, from A.J. Sparks and numerous others. But I give my full roundabout credit of, of training to um, the legendary Chris Candido and also through numerous uh, camps and seminars with uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, who uh, I regard as the greatest wrestling trainer in history. Wow. You know, He's trained no, some so, right, Geek? So many of the guests we've had on our podcast the yeah, past yeah, two years. Yeah. It's like, I've, I we, we had that clips of it. Everybody's less. saying, Pritchard, 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 Pritchard. <laughs> I was yeah. like, geez. Yeah, I, I can kids. say that I'm I'm very blessed by the training that I received a lot early on between those two and then a lot of help from a lot of others like Rip Rogers throughout the years. I attended so many different seminars that I I akin to my, uh, you know, my journey in the uh, in the wrestling business. But uh, those two are the ones that I credit the most with training me uh, with pretty much every arsenal that I need to survive for the last 22 years in our industry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so what are some of the advice that they gave you let's say so yeah one of the biggest things that that i was taught by chris candido a lot was you know he would teach myself and a lot of the young wrestlers at our school a lot of different things as he would come up and help train us but you know he would always tell us that you know i'm gonna give you all this information but you're not gonna understand it right away and it might happen during the course of a match it might happen while you're in the car driving but eventually that light bulb on some of the things I'm teaching you is going to go off. Um, that was definitely one thing that Chris Candido always taught. Um, and the other thing, you know, from Dr. Tom Pritchard was, you know, it's all ice cream. It's just different flavors. Um, and what that was meant to be is not just, you know, how you perform in the ring, but also your persona. You know, uh, everything of what we do is ice cream, but there's more than one way to do something. And that was something that really helped me early on with Dr. Tom was, keeping an open mind and an open eye on everything that's being done and know that there's another way to do it. Yeah. That, that is so right. There's just so many different styles and so many different ways of working and so much different workers. Everybody learns from everybody else. So it's like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Or, uh, yeah, because early on in my training and, and again, no, no qualms to my original trainer, you know, Kevin Knight with teaching me the basics, but his, his level of psychology um, was always centered around that late 80s to early 90s WWF wrestling, which was a very basic character driven style. Um, it had one simple formula. Uh, and, you know, again, because of Dr. Tom, I ventured out into other areas and, and got my understanding of the wrestling business uh, working in different areas, not necessarily they're not no territories, but, you know, the style of wrestling on the East Coast is a lot different than going to the Mid-Atlantic area or going to the South. Um, you know, when I've wrestled in the South, like in North Carolina, you know, to this day, you can you can grab a headlock and the place is going nuts. But in the East Coast, if you grab a headlock and sit with it, you're the fans are going to get bored because the East Coast fans have been very spoiled for many years with a lot of the incredible acrobatic wrestling that's going on today. So that would that really helped me very you know a lot early on in terms of just keeping that fresh eye open and just learning that uh there's more than one way to do this 
definitely. Yeah, totally. So what is it like to wrestle with like these the younger talent now that's in the independent scene on the like the Jersey, mm-hmm. the East Coast side? What is it like to do that now with the younger talent? Incredible. Um, it, it helps me keep me at, at peak physical shape and helps me keep me at the top of my game because uh, I'm one of those that, you know, for 22 years has still had a and still has a chip on my shoulder that I, you know, want to prove that I can be the very best that I can be. So obviously being able to keep up with the young guns in the uh, in the industry today is a lot of fun because it's it's really cool to see a lot of the young guys coming in that have that same knack and that same passion that I did when I started. Um, and it's incredible to work with those talents because it's like literally painting a can, uh, having a, a blank canvas and working with them to paint such a picture for the audience. So it's really great to to work with a lot of young talent that are so open minded today. Yeah, it's just so many great uh, independent talent today. I mean, you know, you know that you would probably see an AEW or WWE in like ten to fifteen years. You know, five to ten years. Oh, well, Hundred percent. There's so much talent going around right now, and and the age of the internet has really uh, been able to help shape that with social media by being able to expand and expose everybody's strengths by highlight reels, by vignettes, by interviews um, to get to know who these talents are. Because when I started, there was no social media, so you had to learn about everybody through Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, or or some of the other different wrestling platforms where you'd have to look in the back of the magazines and actually find these individuals and see results from old indie shows. Uh, that was the only way to really get to know anybody. Yeah. Uh, me growing up as a wrestling fan, I had to go and buy the VHS tapes and, and back in at the shows. Yeah. That's that was that was my way of learning about all the talent or going on the message boards and saying, Who's this? Or who's that? Yeah. That was there was no, there was yeah, no that, YouTube back then. There was nothing. No, and and it's funny because even again, just you know, when I was going to independent shows when I was younger, um, I was exposed to tape trading at conventions when conventions that's used to be pretty regular. Um, that's how I got my my start in terms of learning uh, about lucha libre and and learning about you know Japanese wrestling and seeing all these different styles. But then being able to pick up different tapes about the independents and seeing what was going on you know, with IWA in, in Missouri or what was going on in Kansas City, um, just being able to be a sponge. And, and I, I cannot tell you how many of those tapes I've probably burned through throughout the course of my training. Yeah, my, my friend, um, he was usually in the, tr- the chat. He actually got a couple of tapes for, uh, with the tape trading, like the Japanese deathmatch stuff. Yeah. With, yep. You know, I, the, uh, the Haibusas and the... Uh, yeah, man. That's those, exactly those, how the, I heard they, Sorry. Yeah. No, go right ahead. No, no, I was about to say the exploding ring matches. If you, you remember those back in the day, yeah, those matches. All those types of matches. There was the exploding ring matches. There was the piranha death matches. There were also yeah. the uh, the big Japan pro wrestling used to have the uh, the giant balloons above the ring that you'd have to pop, and there would be thousands of thumbtacks that would just pop open. It was just a completely different era and a completely different style at that time, and. Obviously, everybody knows the the '95 King of the Deathmatch tournament pretty much revolutionized what that was for a United States audience. Definitely. Oh yeah. yeah. Like Definitely. nowadays, there'd be so many angry parents, aka Karens and Carls, in the crowd. My child just so attacked thumbtacks full on somebody. Oh my god! There was a piranha that bit a guy's arm. Oh my god! It'd be like, 
lady, shut up. Why are you at this wrestling show with your son watching a death match? Shut up. <laughs> I saw yeah, someone on TikTok a few weeks ago. The, the guy got thrown into glass and the kid was like this. And then they stopped the video and the guy went, first off, he popped up TikTok style, like floating. Why is that nine-year-old at a deathmatch show? Second off. I don't know. I can't why? say that it, uh, it's the parents' fault. I mean, they they took their they could have taken their child to a wrestling show and unbeknownst to them, they didn't know that this type of match was happening. Just not saying that that is the case, but you got to look at things. I, I tend to try and look at things from every different angle, but I do agree with you. If you see a match like that that's going on, I probably would escort my nine-year-old out of the out of the room for a match like that. But you know, again, uh, I'm not that child's parent, so don't know what they've you know uh you raise them on or whatnot and i'm not here to you know police anybody on how to raise their children so <laughs> yeah you wrestled so you wrestled so many people uh what is your dream match that you still want to have oh man well my dream match will unfortunately will probably never happen um because my dream match would be against terry funk and uh obviously oh. i know he's not in the, in the best of health um but yeah. i've i've taken a lot from him uh over the last you know 10 15 years and really incorporate a lot of his style into my work um just to me is uh is my dream match because he's been uh he's been my inspiration for many 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 years wow that, that's amazing mm -hmm. do you ever get to meet him? Know, terry he's crazy enough to get back in a, in his young old years <laughs> he's probably not doing very good but I could see he, him. Going, he, you know what? You want to fight me? Help me out of my wheelchair. I roll, put me to the would, He would be will. He would be willing. You know, and I'd he be probably like, no would thanks. be. You yeah, would have to like, guide him through the end of the. You probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, have to guide I did have an through. opportunity to meet him once when I was a fan, and then once again while I was in the industry, and uh, he could not be any nicer of a gentleman. You know, a lot of times they always have that phrase. You know, don't meet your heroes because they they'll let you down. But uh, you know, I met my heroes twice and uh he never once let me down so wow that that's an amazing story man did terry ever give you any advice or uh uh he did when i was when i was in the industry i again that that second time around that i got to meet him uh out in, in long island at an event and uh you know he just told me stick with it and he just kind of gave me the the same advice that i've gotten from a lot of people is that you know before you go through that curtain if you don't still have the butterflies going going through your stomach, then uh, it's time for you to get out. Mm. Mm -hmm. There you go. So um, is there any other places in the world or in the States that you've wanted, you haven't traveled to yet that you want to travel to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, starting with the States, I've, I've hit about, um, I think I'm at state number 27 or 28 at this point. Um, I'd love to be able to finish out my career and get as close to all 50 states as possible. Uh, but, you know, in terms of internationally, I'd love to go anywhere and wrestle internationally. But my dream goal would be to go to Japan. Japan. Yeah. That, it's like, are you, would you are a fan more of the uh, the Pursue style or are you more a fan like the deathmatch style, the Japanese deathmatch style? Um, more of the poor wrestling style. Um, yeah. you know, I do enjoy watching, do I do enjoy watching deathmatch wrestling. Um, you know, I, I take nothing away from those performers because it does take a special performer to work that style. Um, and they do deserve every bit of respect that, you know, the standardized wrestling style deserves. I think, again, there's all different flavors of pro wrestling and I think all flavors should be respected equally. 
Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You know, for me though, the deathmatch style just because it's not my style. I mean, uh, for me, I mean, I, I do believe a deathmatch, you know, does have a place in, in in wrestling too. For me, I'm kind of that old school style where a feud builds to, you know, uh, a, a blow off match, and and in that blow off match, you know, would be a, you know, technically, you know, would be some sort of a gimmick match like a deathmatch, which I kind of kind of had recently uh with wrestle pro i worked uh, a gentleman by the name of cpa in a barbed wire match which was wow uh, they had a lot of fun uh in front of that crowd to uh be able to put on a match like that cpa is a great guy he's so funny man you know yes he is uh, i will give him a lot of credit um personality wise he's a very unique individual um and there are times as much as uh you know he and i have gone at it over the course of a year he uh he's not a bad guy Nah, <laughs> he's a super nice guy too. You know, super, super chill, super humble. Mm-hmm. Well, you had the. That's the, this is my question now. Yeah. So, with it being East Coast Wrestling Month, um, you want to talk about working with um Tom and ISPW? You could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, I love working with Tommy. I mean, I first started. I first got to know of ISPW again, kind of going all the way back to when I was a fan going to those wrestling conventions and Tommy Fierro was running conventions when he was just a teenager um, and, and just kind of piggybacking and, and knowing the fact that I went to a lot of those conventions and at, at some of those conventions is where I did run into, uh, you know, AJ Sparks um, and Kevin Knight at some of those shows and conventions um you know ispw being you know one of those where i just you know met a lot of different people um including tommy himself so it's pretty cool to come full circle you know some 20 some odd years later and be able to finally work with him as a performer um and not just going as conventions as a fan so uh, a lot of fun working for him um overall love working for pretty much every promotion i mean i would uh you know consider the east coast as my home so so what 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 do you do before like your entrance basically? What's like your go to before your entrance? Your your pre match ritual, uh, like, uh, like a ritual, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do before every entrance? Um, so for me, every entrance for me is uh, I will always do uh, a minimum of twenty Hindu squats um, behind the curtain just to warm up, um, and after that, I usually pretty much slap my face three times, um, and I'm just ready to go out there. It's just mm-hmm. the way to amp myself up. I mean, everybody has their own rituals. For me, I have a ritual in terms of the way that I put my gear on, the way that I have my gear bag and stuff like that. It's kind of just a, a thing for me. But yeah, 20 Hindu squats and three fa- uh, slaps to my own face and amps me up and I'm ready to walk through that curtain and, and handle business. Mm-hmm. So what is the like one stipulation, the match stipulation that you would be like, nah, man, I'm not doing that? Um, I don't necessarily know if there's like one, one stipulation that I would probably have. I I would say probably one would probably be a scaffold match. Um, you know, it's a a tremendous looking match, but that scaffold is not, not wide at all. And, uh, for me, uh, I'm not a big fan of heights. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if you go back to watching those old like 80, 86, the, the Skywalker Skywalker matches with the Midnight Express and uh, the uh, the Road Warriors, you'll see there's like at points where I, I think it was Bobby Eaton who's afraid of heights and like you could see him like almost the entire match. He was trying to do the match on all fours because he was so, so afraid. So that would probably be me up there. So that's probably one 
stipulation match, I'd probably be like, yeah, not for me. I mean, I mean, you, you speak of the, the scaffold match. The one mat, scaffold match I do remember is Vic Grimes versus New Jack from New Jack, uh, I think it was yeah. uh, from X, XPW, I believe it was. Yeah, that was the one where he threw uh, he threw uh, he stunned he stun gunned him um, as a shoot and threw him off there, intentionally trying to hurt him. Yeah, now like through like was it thirty tables or something like that? It was something. Yeah, something thirty tables. I think he missed half of them. I think like, he only went through like ten of them. Oh jeez, man! Right, yeah. and this is why Joe doesn't stay behind the microphone. <laughs> I have that clip burned into my mind right now because I've seen it so many times. <laughs> oh, jeez! I was watching something, and my friend said, "Oh, there's something you need." I think my dad's like, "Oh, there's something on TV you need to watch," and I was like, "What's that?" And it was that, and I'm like, "Did you know that I've been scarred because of this this one show, one match?" Dad, I went upstairs, texted my dad, "Watch it," Are you, and I heard my dad go. Holy shit! <laughs> heard through the floor. I heard him say it, and I'm like, came upstairs like Stewie with Brian. What did you learn? <laughs> That's what I told my dad. What did you learn? Yeah, yeah. Crazy I'm Emmy XPW, and and the thing is, the that XPW intro was it was in the XPW intro that spot. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's something, and then you know XPW is back, by the way. So. Yes, it is. Yeah, actually, one of the promoters that I work for works uh, behind the scenes heavily uh, with XPW. So, uh, you know, again, nice to see another place back that gives uh, performers a pl- another place to apply their craft. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 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 Sean, what would you say your favorite food is? Favorite food? Yeah. Uh, my go-to is always pizza. Pizza. Ooh. Yeah. What kind of pizza, though, Sean? Yeah. Wow, I love a lot of different types, but my my go to is always pepperoni. Pepperoni, we can hang. I, yeah, as but long as you didn't say pineapple. I uh, see. That's where I'm going. See, I have to say, <laughs> long on pizza. Okay. That's good to know, man. Right? He 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 lives in a house with a bunch of Italians. They're all upstairs doing this, <laughs> doing the shaking their hands. How that's can you exactly do that? Exactly what my family does. Growing up in an Italian household, that's all they did. I've learned to talk it's, with my hands like this. It comes naturally. I love that emoji. Like any Italians you're talking to, you just send them yep. this. Like and they're like, ha ha ha, you're so funny. Pineapple that's does not belong on pizza. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. You know, what I mean, everybody's entitled to how they feel. You know what I mean? Uh, but for me, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a lover of pineapple on pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be yeah. made the it's right like, way. You won't, ever, you won't ever see me order uh, uh, pineapple and ham pizza from Domino's. That's for sure. So, I, I mean, they they do have some weird stuff out nowadays. They got like peep soda. I don't know if you heard of that. Yeah, I have. Yes, yeah. There's some weird incarnations of uh, stuff that's out there these days. Like they, they have. Was it uh, dark chocolate? Um, no, raspberry uh, chocolate vitamin water or something like that. That's brand new. It I've just came that, out. That's no, nah, that's that's that new. Sounds... And then Dr Pepper strawberries and cream. That's the new one. Uh, it's I actually. Have... I've seen that, and I have actually been interested to actually try that, but uh, I'm not. Gonna it's not bad. Out. Yeah, I'm not, not going to shell out all that money just for a case until I can just taste one. <laughs> the one Actually, I just that's tried my go-to, now. my go-to is always Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Doctor, so there you go. You, you need to try the new fla- new flavor. Uh, I'm somebody who works for Coke. 
and okay. the new flavor is is not that bad, you know. Okay. So I yeah. got to give it a shot. Then on your recommendation, I will try it. <laughs> like the one I had when I hey, what's going on, man? The one I travel travel when I was going to see my sister in Brooklyn. I tried the Dr Pepper cream soda. I thought it was gonna suck. It was delicious. No, it's, very, it's very good. It's very. I love cream soda, so I was like, "Where's my pastrami sandwich? Where's my corned beef?" Like, it's a different, it's a different that. twist on cream soda. It's not cream soda. It's it's Dr Pepper and cream soda. So they put that Dr Pepper mix with the cream soda. So it's it's not a bad mixture at all, though. It, it blended very yes. well. So I have to agree. That's that's three yeses, uh, three thumbs up on that. And yeah, that one, that one, the dark berry is pretty good too. I don't know if you tried that one. I have not. I'm not a berry person when it comes to drinks. Um, so, mm-hmm. I if I'm at a restaurant, I I if I'm like in a real good mood, I'm eating something I really love, like nachos or a slice of pizza, a nice, well done pizza. I'll grab a Coke or a Pepsi or Dr Pepper or something, whatever I'm in the mood for. But nine out of the ten of the time, I'm like. Do I really need the sugar? So I just grab a Pepsi. I just grab a water. I'm like, oh, I can't have water. You know what I mean? The new Coke creation is to die for. Uh, I'm not the oh, biggest fan. You got me there. I, it's like I stepped on attack. Dude, it, it just tastes like someone left their Slurpee out too long. It just tastes like a melted Slurpee. That doesn't sound very appealing. No, it, it was very sad. It it's like, more it, the new Coke and the movie you're talking about because the Coca Cola yeah. movie it it, it tastes kind of like Coca Cola mixed with coconut flakes. Like they put coconut, they put coconut flakes in it. So that's and I was it sort a little, of sad because I was like, my coworkers, like, oh Joe, you're gonna like it. Your friends with Coke, you should try. You should try it. Now I'm just like, okay, Coke move. Okay, who left their Slurpee on the counter? I did. I just drink their Slurpee. What the heck is this crap? <laughs> like, man, it was mid. The star, the starlight, the starlight, the starlight wasn't that bad though. The starlight one wasn't. That bad. was the, the other green. one, blue, the blue label, right? That was like the purple and uh, like. Oh, the different, right? It says it's coconut and vanilla. So. Oh yeah, 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 coconut and vanilla. That's that's the he's talking about the move, yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't like it. It had one taste, and then it went to the other taste, and I'm like, if I'm drinking a soda, I want one flavor. <laughs> I want five different flavors to go. It was this, no, it was that. Like, it's a soda. Treat it like a soda. So, it's so, a treat. So, Sean, where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Um. Five to ten years, I would like to see myself uh, still involved in the in, in, in the wrestling industry, uh, you know, as a coach or as a trainer, perhaps, you know, with a national organization. I mean, right now I am one of the trainers for uh, Pat Buck's owned Wrestle Pro Company, uh, Pat wow. Buck, who is one of the uh, producers for AEW. So I'm one of the coaches there along with uh, LSG and uh, also Bobby Wayward is a, is a coach there as well. Um, but we have a lot of people that come through the doors, you know, as guest trainers to help when and just some of our our main roster guys always stop by to uh, get in the ring with our students. But uh, definitely see myself in that coaching role because I have such a passion for teaching uh, the younger generation now. Um, everything that I learned and all the things that I wasn't taught in the beginning that I learned along the way, 
Uh, I love giving that information to them now to these guys so that they have all that foundation and fundamentals that they need to go out into the world of wrestling and uh, make a name for themselves. Definitely. So, so my my final question is: um, Where where is uh, some of your upcoming shows? Uh, sure. So uh, right now, we uh, this coming Saturday, we have um, uh, WrestlePro is uh, at the Rahway Rec Center in uh, uh, Rahway, New Jersey. And then uh, March 24th, ISPW, I believe, is back in Totowa, uh on March 24th. Uh, and then I'll be uh, venturing out again with WrestlePro again in Rahway and also their uh, tour in Alaska at the end of April. Uh, and then uh, moving into June uh you know there's some things that are lined up that i can't really discuss yet but uh right. mostly just uh wrestle pro and ispw for uh the next uh couple of months uh just because uh my schedule is a little lighter for the next month or two just because i'm uh, dealing with some different personal things in my in my personal life that need to require that attention so uh once that's taken care of i'll uh be back in the mix on a, on a regular basis and do you have any social medias or uh yeah, so I have three social media. So I have uh, Facebook, which is just uh, Sean Donovan, uh, and then my Twitter and Instagram handle is uh, Sean Donovan zero one. Okay. My last question is, uh, who who made your gear? So like our fans can know. Sure. So I originally started with a local guy uh, by the name of uh, uh, Brawley, um, who's known throughout the East Coast a little bit, and even some other areas um as strong style gear and then from there i was getting gear also made by main event gear um my vests and stuff were made by a, a female seamstress out of uh, pennsylvania uh, by the name of roxy guns um, but now currently i get my gear made through uh a gentleman by the name of break night creative uh and also i've gotten uh, some entrance gear made by uh, kill a custom wear that's awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and taking the time out, Sean. Yeah. No, thank you guys. I always appreciate the opportunity. I always love to talk shop. So if there's ever an opportunity to come back on and uh, talk some more shop, always willing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm Joe Panther the third. I'm the Metal Geek. And I am Sean, Sean Donovan. <laughs> and we will catch you in the next one.